Pastor Paul Revere, getting into heaven is easy. Uh, the last time Mr. Pastor Revere drove his car out of the 34-acre kingdom of heaven in Marion County, Oregon, he wound up in jail for displaying heaven-issued license plates and carrying a heaven-issued driver's license. Uh, apparently, the kingdom of heaven, you always wondered where it was, it is in Oregon. Um, they, they issue their own passports. They issue their own vehicle registrations and driver's licenses. Uh, of course, Oregon state officials don't accept Paul's claims of celestial citizenship. They also don't believe the 34-acre property calls the embassy of the kingdom of heaven belongs to God only and is exempt from county tax rolls. Now, at the time this happened, in 1994, heaven owed more than $10,000 in property taxes, and the county planned to foreclose. The kingdom of heaven is not of this world, Revere said in response. The county has declared war on the saints. Pastor Revere, formerly known as, as Craig Fleshman, leader of, of, he's leader of the church, and he's a former Oregon Department of Transport employee. He said, it's impossible to serve both God and the state. And he and his followers renounced their worldly identities and functioned solely as citizens of heaven. Heaven, Oregon. There are only, uh, he has a couple of hundred followers, but only five of them actually live on the property. Uh, Revere, his wife, his daughters, and a scholar just named Abraham. We're an earthly kingdom, Revere said. Jesus has established his government on earth, just as it is in heaven. And, he added, there are no taxes in heaven. Jesus did not pay taxes, he claims. My rule is simple. Love God, love neighbor. I don't need ten books of Oregon statutes to tell me how to live. Now, that being said, he also believed that the state was the Antichrist, and that the courts are the halls of Satan. He said, there's a reason why everyone has an attorney and why the judge wears a black robe. It is part of their satanic worship. Well, eventually the land was seized and was sold at auction. Hmm. It was auctioned off. Interesting. Heaven was auctioned off. Was Paul Revere correct? Are we free from laws? Welcome to the beginning of Romans chapter 13. These first seven verses of 13 have been studied and analyzed heavily over the years. A lot of the interpretation has been basically attempts to avoid what the passage seems to be saying plainly at first sight. We're done with chapter 12. In chapter 12, Paul gave us a guide for how to live for God and with those people around us. Now, here in chapter 13, he talks about how the Christian, with a renewed mind, is to live in society. Not only does he say that we should obey the laws of the land, but he says obey even when those laws don't make sense. Ah, oh, no controversy here, is there? <laughs> Let's pray as we take a closer look. We want to see how this fits with what we know from the rest of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, give us wisdom as we look at this. 
to understand it, to understand what it meant to the church at Rome, to understand the principle you want us to know, understand how to, to apply it today, and how it fits with the rest of Scripture. We pray, Lord, and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please turn to Romans 13, or follow along on the screen as we read today's Scripture passage, right from verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. To obey or not to obey? Apologies to Shakespeare for phrasing it this way. To obey or not to obey, that is the question. Or is it? Paul says, let everyone be subject to the authorities, the governing authorities. The word here he uses is this Greek word that uh, means to submit or to rank under or to stand under someone else's authority. Now, Mr. Revere, well, he, he holds a common misconception that Christians don't have to obey the laws of this world. They don't have to obey any of them. His may be an extreme example, but it, it is not, this isn't a new belief. Uh, the Apostle Paul had to deal with, with it in other churches in the first century. And from the beginning of the church, the radical demands of the gospel, uh, avoiding conformity to the world, were, were taken too far by some of the believers. They were just overly enthusiastic in their, well, in their joy and in their fervor. Uh, they thought the coming of the new age with Christ meant that everything in the world was under judgment and because of that was to be avoided by truly spiritual Christians. Some went as far as avoiding marriage because that was a human institution or even sex because that was considered worldly or obeying government of any kind. And Christians, as a result, were accused of being antinomian. Uh, that's a word that literally trans translates literally as against law, antinomia. A little context here. 
Paul wrote the letter to Rome in the uh, first century in the 50s. It was written around AD 57. At that time, there was a lot of resistance in the Roman Empire to paying indirect taxes, tariffs, and, 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 and surcharges, and things like that. And actually, it led to a tax revolt in Rome in AD 58. That might have been one of the factors that led the Roman Christians to question their need to obey the government. But Scripture is filled with examples of times when God's people haven't obeyed their rulers, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So let's look at this more closely, but let's summarize this whole section first. The key concept, and this shouldn't be overlooked, is this. God has established his government. God has established government for his purposes. Government is not a human creation. Everyone is to be subject to the governing authorities. Well, how does this work? And are we supposed to be subject to them in everything? And who are these governing authorities? What does he mean by that term? The short answer is anyone who represents the power of the state, whether it's a local official, right up to and including the prime minister, or in the Romans' case, the emperor. It might help us to understand what to be subject means. To be subject means that as followers of Jesus, we recognize that we stand under government because God has established it as the way to keep order in the world. Paul says God established every authority that exists. So this isn't a new idea, though. It isn't Paul's idea. Uh, there are lots of examples in the Bible. The Old Testament, Daniel, the prophet, told King Nebuchadnezzar, The Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. You think it came as a surprise to Nebuchadnezzar that God had put him in that position? He, he didn't believe it at first, but... If you read into Daniel, you'll find out how he came to terms with it, and he understood that God was the, the one and only and the Most High God. But Paul tells us here why we should be subject to those authorities. And he, and he, and he doesn't candy-coat it. He says, if you rebel against the authority, you're rebelling against God. Hmm. One of the purposes of secular government is to act as God's servant in rewarding good and punishing evil. And so we are supposed to respect government authorities because they're God's servants. Political officials are servants of God, too, even if they don't know it. And they have the right to punish wrongdoers. So if the followers of Jesus want to be free from fear of the one in authority, he says in verse 3, uh, we should do what is right, not what is wrong. Right? Huh. Civic leaders are serving God's purposes and are established by God for those purposes. And I'll bet there's alarm bells going off in your head like crazy right now, but hold on to them while we keep going here. This is why... 
When you get down to verse 6, he says, they're established by God for his purposes. This is why we also pay taxes, because the authorities are God's servants. They give their full time to governing. He's, when he uses servant here, he uses a word that was also used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament for the people who served at the temple in Jerusalem. And it's used in the New Testament a number of times, but translated ministers of the Lord. So he's not saying, yeah, it's saying plainly what's there. But Paul says it, it's only right to give, not just grudgingly, but to give to everyone, including those authorities, what you owe them. So if it's taxes, direct payments, like income tax, pay taxes. Don't pay a penny more than you have to, but pay what is due. If it's revenue, like customs duty and tariffs and excise fees, pay them. But God asks for more than just a grudging recognition of, of these officials' authority. He says we are also to give them respect and honor. Do we give respect and honor to our governments? Sadly, some people think Governments are the enemy. They're not. Paul says they are ordained. They're established by God. And so they're worthy of respect and they're worthy of honor. <sighs> Seriously, Pastor? All the time? Well, think back to the last sermon uh, from the verses just before today's passage, end of chapter 12. Paul told us that we were to try to live at peace with everyone as much as it is up to us. And we learned also there that it's easy to love your friends, but Jesus says even to love your, our enemies. Question then, is the government our enemy? And Paul's answer is no. The governing authorities are established by God, and we're subject to them. It isn't easy, is it? <laughs> Paul says government's role, though, it has a role. The role is to keep order, to punish evil, reward good. But there are many times the opposite seems to happen. Evil prospers. And from our point of view, good is being punished. Think, think Nazi Germany. Think the Ceausescu government in Romania in the 1980s. Pol Pot's Cambodia. There are oppressive regimes all over the world today doing this. Question, are the followers of Jesus to be subject to the authorities under all circumstances? Yes. Follow-up question. Are we to obey them in all things? No. Human rulers can turn against God and his people. No. So, so the answer is no. We are subject. We recognize we are under a God-created system. But even though God has established the authorities, sometimes we have to resist them in the name of God. 
Romans 13 only gives us one side of the argument. It doesn't speak to the question of what, what do we do if the government is against God. For that, we have to go to other scriptures. And there are numerous examples of people, of those who refuse to obey. I'm just going to look at three right here. Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar was tricked into issuing an edict that the people could only worship him and no other god or no other thing. Daniel resisted. He bowed down to the Lord in his window where he could be seen, where everyone could see what he was doing. And he resisted. In the second century BC, a Seleucid emperor, Antiochus IV, tried to eradicate the Jewish faith by outlawing Torah, by forbidding circumcision, and by stopping the temple sacrifices. He even desecrated the altar of the temple by sacrificing unclean animals on it. A group called the Maccabees, led by two brothers, began a guerrilla war against him, against this Antiochus. The record isn't found in the Bible, but it is found in books called the Apocrypha, which were books written between the Old Testament and the New Testament writings. Third example, Acts chapter 4, the apostles. When they were ordered not to preach in the name of Jesus, they boldly told the Sanhedrin leaders, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him, Jesus? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Ah. Now, these three examples are centuries apart, hundreds of years apart. And, and they're three different settings, but they have one thing in common. They're all examples of rulers governing authorities operating in ways not in line with God's principles. Whether it was Daniel, the Maccabeans, or the apostles, they were right to refuse to follow those edicts. So, putting this into practice, what, what does this actually mean to us today? The great question for us is how to, to apply this in our modern setting. What does it mean for us today? Most of, of the other Bible translations, we're using, we're using a New International Version here. Most of the other modern translations use the word to submit, where the NIV says to be subject to. And it, it's usually true that submission is, is often expressed by obedience. But submission is a broader term. Submission recognizes that God has placed certain institutions or people over us and they have the right to our respect. We're instructed to submit to example. Submission is common. We're instructed to submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. We're, we're instructed to submit to our spiritual leaders those who, especially those who, because they bear the burden of the congregation, of the community. Submission does another thing. It also recognizes the, the rightful leadership role that other human beings have in our lives. The thing is, 
God is at the top of the list, has to be at the top. We have to ultimately submit to God because God has the final word. And here's where we struggle the most. Christians will disagree over the conditions under which we must obey God rather than human beings. Pacifist Christian groups believe that to go to war would be to deny God, to deny everything we are instructed to do to preserve life. Other Christians are convinced that serving in the military in a war doesn't conflict with God's will. Christians disagree over the issue of capital punishment. Some feel it's always wrong, but others say it is warranted by Scripture. So ultimately, we have to establish, we have to come to these decisions on the whole Word of God, not just on an isolated text or one part of one text. Paul knew there were going to be disagreements over issues in the church family in Rome. And, and in, a, in a couple more weeks, we're going to see him speak more fully on that. He's going to develop this, this uh, theme. And the topic then is going to be what one's person's faith allows them to do and what another person's faith does not. That's chapter 14. So that's a couple weeks from now. But one thing is clear, though. For the most part, we are to be subject to government. So, pay your taxes. Follow traffic regulations, including speeding. <laughs> Follow health guidelines. Give what is due, whether it's revenue, respect, or honor. Those who govern are worthy of respect and honor because they're established by God. The greater concern in this discussion, really, the, the real application, I think, for us, is we have to answer how we treat our brothers and sisters who we love when we disagree on these things. Do we have grace in the way we treat them? How about in the way we talk about them? Can, can we disagree but do it in a loving manner and take the high road? In other words, refuse to trash talk them? Because if we trash talk people, we're judging them. And that doesn't look good on a Christian. The government is not the enemy. Government is established by God for his purposes. Pray for our governments. Pray for them. Pray that they'll make wise decisions. Pray that they will govern justly. Pray that God would move the hand of state to govern well and do what is right. Sometimes we're going to have to resist them in the name of the Lord. At some point, it happens in some places already, but at some point we could be told, that we can't speak the name of Jesus, that, that we could not preach the gospel. And if that point comes, that would clearly cross the line 
and we will obey God and preach salvation through Jesus alone. We're not ashamed to do that. And that's where Paul began Romans, isn't it? Chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So, how do we treat them? Honor where honor is due. Respect where respect is due. Clear command of Scripture, and they say the opposite. We go with God. Let's pray. Lord, this is, if we took this passage alone without the rest of Scripture, it would, it would, it would be challenging, very challenging, because it would seem clear-cut that in all circumstances we obey you. But when we understand it in, in balance with the rest of the Scriptures, we recognize that you are the ultimate authority. You are the one we are to serve, and we will gladly serve those authorities that you have put in place provided they do not counter your clear command to go and make disciples, to gather together, and to hold you up as the only way for salvation. And so, Jesus, we, we thank you for Paul. We thank you for keeping the scriptures and saying through your apostles and writers, like Paul and the others, what you wanted preserved. Lord, give us wisdom, and Lord, give us mercy and grace as we, even with our dear brothers and sisters, will sometimes come to a place where we disagree on how this is to be applied. But may we not disagree on the, the basics, Lord. But when we do come to a place where we must disagree or agree to disagree, give us grace so that we can continue to love each other and maintain the unity of the Spirit in your church. That is our prayer today, Lord. We pray it in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So, uh, yeah, God bless you. Um, not the easiest one to, to live out, is it? But I trust that in the coming weeks, this will sink in and we'll, we'll, we'll get, a, get a good grip on how to do this. Have a great week. See you next time.